Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Welcome, power partners, to our informational playground. This is Star Style, be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. We are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you are listening to us live. We're coming to you from Voice America, the empowerment channel. We strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. And we hope to catapult you from wishing upon a star to imagining your dreams as if they've already transpired, talking as if you're living your dreams today, and then acting like you have everything you need to be the writer, producer, director, and star of your own life because that is the truth. We want you to make something happen instead of waiting for something to happen. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Book Bash Blowout, happening at 5A Rent-A-Space, sponsored by Brooks Olbrey's Children's Success Unlimited. It's coming up on April 29th. We hope that you will participate Visit us at btsya.com and go to events for more information and everything you need to know. And this is from the Dalai Lama. We can let the circumstances of our lives harden us so that we become increasingly resentful and afraid, or we can let them soften us and make us kinder. You always have a choice. I thought that was a very pretty uh, miracle moment because I am so into the fact, Heather, that we always have a choice in life. You know, we choose to be happy. We choose to be sad. You know, happiness is an inside job. And I think today is going to be an interesting, a very, very interesting conversation because uh, coming up in our second and third segments, we have a very special guest for you. Dr. Steve Omohundro is going to be 
joining us, and he is one of the world's experts on artificial superintelligence. And if you're wondering what that is, I am too. So <laughs> I can I absolutely am fascinated by this uh, arms race and high frequency trading, or cyber warfare, or drone warfare, or stealth technology, or surveillance systems. And I don't understand how we can make a computer that is smarter than us and maybe could do away with us, but we're going to find out when uh, Dr. Steve joins us. So make sure you are turning the volume up. But coming right up, Heather, our health uh, hero here, is going to talk about something that is really important. And again, this gets down to be making a choice of whether you are going to be a cyber bully and do something harmful and judgmental or if you're going to be a, a kind person. So fat shaming has been around like a hashtag topic for you know quite a while now with people posting negative comments on social media about somebody else's body. But now, Heather, I guess the new trend is called skinny shaming. What is this all about? Yeah, well, and you know, and it's not even just uh, social media. I mean, social media in its own now is is very well its own realm of that is the easiest way to get things across. But I mean, you see this in uh, you know magazines. This is a conversation people say um, on the news. This thing is talked about it. I mean, it's like literally, you know, when it comes to it, skinny shaming. Um, is sort of this thing, I, I almost feel like, well, by definition, skinny shaming is basically the same as, as fat shaming. Is that, uh, you know, causing, um, having negative views of someone because of their body size and it being um, on the other realm of not being as large as being skinny. And sometimes I kind of feel like, I mean, this, is, you know, it, this can affect men as well, but really this topic affects women the most. I would say 99% of this. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I sort of feel like we live in this uh, sort of like Goldilocks uh, fable kind of times that in life it always seems like um, you know this one's too fat this one's too skinny this one's just right you know we think about it um, you know that's nearly divine of our definitions of what women's bodies are supposed to be like and um, I think you know I, I feel I definitely feel for people who are in the public eye, celebrities, of how, what, what exactly is this perfect body? I mean, you see, you know, there, there could be a picture of one of them at Burger King or something and eating out. And then there's, uh, the next thing where someone, uh, that, you know, might have been sick with the flu and the two topics, the two things could either be, you know, I'm eating, uh, I'm out of control, can't stop eating, says, you know, ex-celebrity or, you know, I've been star, I'm starving, wasting away, you know, secret, star, secret, battle with anorexia, you know, there's all these things that um, just because picture, people see pictures, and as we know, there's so many ways I've definitely, you know, been the same weight with something and had a picture that I think, ooh, I really like that picture. I look good in that one picture. And then there's another picture where you feel like, oh, my God, did I eat myself that was in the other picture? It's, you know, <laughs> there's all these kinds of, you know, angles I know, now. And that's I why the also, same experience. It's like, yeah, where, you know, so, is, and that's, where'd you take you know, the picture? What was the lighting, kind of you know? Yeah, so it, I think, you know, definitely for women, it's this whole kind of thing as, you know, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. And we've created this culture um, that barely anybody is acceptable. And, you know, the, the pressure women have is so intense. And, um, you know, we see all these positive uh, body things, such as, you know, the Dove campaign of showing, you know, all these, you know, quote-unquote real women, um, which I think is a fantastic thing. But also it kind of sort of sets up this another thing of saying that are only curvy women real women? And 
I know many girls who are just naturally super tall, super thin. I mean, I will say my sister-in-law, for example, she is like an Amazon, like this anomaly. She is tall, thin, beautiful, and that girl can eat like no other. And she is, I mean, so, I mean, strong, but so, you know, she could be a model. And that's just, you know, one of those people that you just feel that have that lucky gene pool. That's just genetics. Um, and, you know, other pe- some people that, you know, it's a constant battle. It's just, you know, it's a, a preconceived thing. Um, or other people, you know, it's, it's hence what keeps, you know, these million dollars. You know, I mean, working in fitness, that people want to achieve a certain thing. We want to be our best thing. Um, but there's this constant thing, and as you said, you know, with this uh, social media um, I, which I feel, you know, really kind of shame on people. They have so much power behind, you know, a fake name, you know, a kitty cat at at 771 or whatever, you know, says that Celebrity X is this and this. Um, that People, they say all these hurtful things when they themselves, you know, probably don't have the body that they wish or, or you know, what gives them the power to say that this person is too skinny, too fat. Um and Do you think that anybody has the body they wish for? Do you know? I mean, I think no. I I've known so many magnificent people whose bodies are to me they look perfect, both men and women, and still they don't think that they're great. So you know, you wonder. I wonder if any of us are ever happy with what we have. Well, you know, I think that um, I think that's always something that you know. There's very many. I mean, so many studies, so many things they say that you know it starts within households of people that. Um, when you hear negative noise, if someone, you know, as a kid, I, I think a lot of times, um, you know, this whole kind of fat skinny, shaming, skinny shaming things, things don't always start out as malicious. As, for example, you know, parents might say to children, you know, oh, you know, Sally, you know, you don't want to eat any cookie, you know, no more cookies kind of thing. Like, you, you know, you don't want to get fat. Something I they might say that not to say to them. You know, you will be fat. No one will like you. There's just more of, you know, childhood uh, obesity, diabetes. That's such a huge thing, an epidemic going on in our country. Um, things can start out, you know, as, as a positive thing, um, but the way it's filtered could come off negative. If, you know, if someone just making a compliment. And I think, you know, as women with something that starts so early that, you know, one of the main things you always hear people say is, does this look, make me look fat? And I think it's a rarity that people will say, oh, yes, it does. But it's coming from that. Inner, you know, something inside of you feeling, you know, doubtful about what you're wearing with this, and you need to hear that someone either saying, "No, you that looks great," or "No, let's you know, kind of like let me help you with this." Um, we you know, never I think hear you have to out. be careful who you ask. You know, does this make me look fat? Because if you really want a true answer, <laughs> a real answer, you need to ask somebody that you really trust and you know they're going to be honest with you. But if you're just fishing for a compliment, then that's a dumb thing to do. (laughs) A very dumb question, right? Yeah, well, I feel like, you know, for women, I feel like what is the validation of why, why is that part of our, our vocabulary? Why is that sentence something that all women know to say? Does this make me look fat? Or, oh, I feel so fat. I feel... You know that um, they say that you know five year olds now start start dieting, and that's not to say you know it's that thing. I think um, it's a very sort of uh, mixed message thing that you know we want people to be healthy um, and you know not obese, but we don't want people to be too skinny. And, they, and as I said, you can be skinny and be healthy. You can be skinny and unhealthy. You can and and also looks are very deceiving. And as I said before too, that um, a lot of you know this, this fat shaming that we we hear so much about of, of you know people saying you know oh such and such or, or you know this has looked uh, fat and how how um, how uh, protective 
mean, will become of that, especially with women's bodies, you know, that we want to promote healthy things. Um, but now this skinny shaming happened, and many women, you know, as I said, I know that um, are healthy, that that's just their natural things. And as things that start out as malicious, so, for example, in France, they actually, which, you know, this is coming from a... Um, a, uh, a positive thing, you know, they had good intentions, but I'm not sure if it's being executed as well. Is that in France, actually, you know, and there's all those books, you know, skinny women don't get fat, on, and we know that you know, they walk more and all this, and all that's, you know, such the, you know, fashion capital. Well, actually, um, April, uh, this was very, very uh, recently, <laughs> this is, uh, just this week, um, April, 2000, uh, April 3rd, 2015, um, French uh, Parliament, that they actually passed laws in an effort to um, sort of, you know, these, you know, models that we, we see so many times, these emaciated models in uh, ads and um, on the runway, and they say, you know, that's one of, that's current, you know, one, a big thing people always say, media thing, is that now they've, they've uh, passed these laws now to one make um, these there's these such things called pro anna or pro skin these almost basically pro anorexia websites that show these emancipated people and kind of give tips or something I've always just heard of these I've never actually seen them but I guess now they've actually made it almost as if it was uh, some kind of I don't know the child part something very like illegal you can no longer have access to them oh, and so they've actually passed in, these, in France um, uh, so they made these websites illegal they're taking them down that's a good thing. yeah yeah I'm so I don't know how exactly they go about doing that but the main thing something very interesting that they they pass these laws now is that there's a certain BMI index for models in France that um, and I in general the BMI index is very flawed because uh, you take basically what it is you take weight and height and put it together and if you uh, you know if you're at over or under a certain thing and uh, you know it's seen that someone who's very muscular someone that um, or thinner that you know, you could it, it could be someone it could say that someone is heavier when they're really actually very healthy or say that they are thin um, when they're not you know those that kind of it's, it should basically say someone is healthy when they're not healthy or um, say that they're you know it kind of gives it kind of doesn't give this problem you know proper thing um, and also you know these things are, are triggered with you know mental issues as well but. Um, I think the thing coming from it is that they pass these laws now for models that they have to be a certain uh, weight, is they have to have a certain BMI uh, level, and they, you know, and how they accomplish and what they're allowed, you know, what's the lowest um, they can be, um, you know, this is to kind of promote a more healthier thing. Um, but also, you know, I said that some people are just naturally very thin, and I know some people that um, that's just their appearance. That's just how you know. That's how their bodies go. Um, so then, for someone to say, and that's again also from an outsider thing, that people may look at some people who is you know who are naturally thin um, and cast negative things on them. And um, we hear a lot in songs, and I think you know it's a positive thing. You know, we, especially a lot of women now. Um, you know, Megan Trainer has that song that you know, bring I'm bringing booty back. You know that living. Uh, I love that song. I think it's so cute. It's so poppy, and it's just talking about you know, like love your body. But it also says some comments in it. Um, I can't say the explicit, but it says skinny bees. It kind of says this stuff about things that you know rhyme with witches, um, and it kind of you know goes up that. And there's also you know this uh, Nicki Minaj song where you know it talks. It says you know where all my 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 fat bees at, like like saying you know kind of pro like you know the. The, the larger ladies, but then it kind of says all these negative things about skinny people. And again, um, I think that causes that. Ne- I mean, no one's in upright about that. Um, however, someone would be really upset if there was a song that was saying, you know, you know, f all the 
all, F all the fat people and I love all the skinny people. I think, you know, in general, I think no shame. This is, it's all um, this crazy hypocrisy, and I think it's all just intolerance no matter what. Right. I, I think, think that we have happens. to get to the point of acceptance and being non-judgmental. That's what, you know, it's just crazy to constantly be uh, criticizing, you know, other people. I mean, are we, are we all living in glass houses? I mean, that's, <laughs> is anybody perfect? I don't think so. Well, we're almost yeah. to the end of our segment, Heather, so let's give away the takeaways. Yeah, well, my main thing with it is um, just kind of remember that every girl is is pretty. If, if she's thin, fat, ugly, smart, whatever it matters is that you are enough. Always remember, you are enough. And the big kind of thing with it is that, yes, the skinny shaming is uh, going on, um, but I do feel that they are on different levels, that I feel fat shaming, um, skinny does in our society have, unfortunately, um, it has this kind of sickening thing of privilege, that when you're skinny, you'll be able to find your clothing size. Um, it's this thing that people, I think when people see people are overweight, they think that they're lazy or they don't try, which are all things that are not true. So I think these are both um, unfortunate and complete intolerance their society has, but I think they're on different levels, and I think in, in general, um, a lot of this shaming, a lot of this stuff is going on is, you know, coming from a feminist point of view, is coming from women themselves that are judging other women, um, when really, as you mentioned right at the very beginning, is that we are the biggest judges of ourselves. So before you start pointing those fingers, whether to call someone thin or fat or whatever it may be, first take that picture, you know, it, and when you point, there's three fingers pointing back at you, so look at those three fingers. Take your first thing first of looking in the mirror and thinking about how you would feel if anyone's describing you on without knowing you of your own body type. So for more information on everything, because we are all about positive, so we want to be body positive as well as mind positive, we want you to check out the websites. Go to bethestarur.com as well as bethestarur.org. And I think it just makes sense to be the star you are. You know, be your best self, your only self. Exactly. That's all you can be. And when you look in the mirror, when you take a look in the mirror, say to yourself, I am a wonder of creation. Because you know what? You are. So when we come back from break, oh my gosh, we have such a treat for you. We are going to have so much fun. You are going to meet the very ebullient and effervescent Dr. Steve. And he is going to talk to us all about artificial intelligence and tell us what's going on in our world because I have no idea about this. It's definitely different than than Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey. So you don't go away. Stay right with us. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network the Empowerment Channel. Be right back with Dr. Steve Alejandro. Don't go away. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the... Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. 
lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are, light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you Plug into your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. My greatest gratitude to all of you for staying with us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And you are listening to the Empowerment Channel, where we hope that you will go out and reach for the stars and decide to land on them. Well, talking about stars, we have a really special guest for you. He is a possibility researcher. You know that I am a possibility producer, so we like can really hit it off, except I don't have any clue of the amazing things that he does, because he works with artificial intelligence. He was saying, you know, there's Google and IBM and Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, all of these. They've recently made these multi-billion dollar investments in artificial intelligence and robotics. And I'm excited to find out what this is all about. I am speaking about Dr. Omohundro. He's a scientist, a professor, an author, a software architect, an entrepreneur, and he's doing this amazing research that explores the interface between mind and matter. He has several degrees, physics, mathematics from Stanford. He has a PhD in physics from Cal Berkeley, my alma mater. And he's just done so many great things, and he's written books. So we're going to talk to him now, and we are going to find out what artificial intelligence is all about. Welcome, Dr. Steve, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, you know, it's so amazing. You have such an incredible bio. I can't even go into all of it. And you've, you've had all these companies. You're, you're the president of both Possibility Research and Self-Aware Systems, which is a think tank working to ensure intelligent technologies have a positive impact. And that's the thing I want to talk about right away because we were having dinner the other night, and our, our mutual good friend, Dan Espenson, was explaining to me what ASI is, artificial super intelligence, and he lost me at the A. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to look to you with all your degrees and your, your doctorates 
what is artificial superintelligence? Because when I think of that, I just think of the movie Hal. I think of a computer that's going to do good things in my life, but it's possible it could do, it could be bad. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so we're at this amazing moment in history where we're starting to create these machines, uh, computers often running robots, that can do a lot of the things that people do. And the good thing is they can do stuff that we don't want to do. And so, um, you know, there are all kinds of factories now getting robots to build things and do the kind of tedious work that people don't like to do. But as we look a little further down the line, these machines are going to get smarter and smarter, and we want to make sure that they have our human values so that they don't end up, you know, being like the Terminator or some of those movies or the HAL, uh, uh, you know, the AI in the HAL movie. But how um, do you and- do that, Steve? <laughs> how, how do you make sure that they have integrity? I mean, we're talking about a machine. How do you yeah. get feelings and how do you how do you give it a point of, where it says, okay, no, I won't do that because that's wrong. How do you give it values? That is the $100 question. Um, philosophers have been looking at morality and trying to develop, you know, what is human morality? Why do we behave the way we do? And they've, you know, created these little artificial sort of uh, scenarios that they think about. So like one that a lot of people are talking about these days, there's the idea of self-driving cars. So instead of you having to drive your car and make sure you don't run into anything, um, in the very near future, cars will be driving themselves. Now, has and- Google doesn't Google already have these self-driving cars driving around its campus or something? Yeah. Well, not just the campus. You can drive on the freeways around here and see them. Oh, (laughs) really? Oh, so they are already happening. So what's to stop that self-driving car from going haywire and saying, I want to do destruction. I'm going to run into a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so that we certainly don't want that to happen. But even even if they don't go haywire in that way, um, there are subtle questions. Like, let's say there's going to be an accident. Um, you know, something has gone wrong, uh, and let's say there's a school bus full of children, and the car could crash into the school bus and, and maybe harm a lot of children, or it could go over a cliff and just kill you. Um, that's a moral right. dilemma. What's to stop it from doing that? Well, it has to choose which which choice does it make. And so the rules, the, the kind of morality that we build in will make it make those choices. And there are things that we as people, you know, if you were driving and you had that kind of a choice, you would on the moment, you know, choose, you know, which would be the right way to go. But when we're doing it with software, somebody in advance has to think through, like, well, what is the right thing to do there? And I would say we're right in that moment when we can begin to sort of think about every aspect of our lives and figure out, well, what is the right way to behave and try and build the machine so that they behave that way. Well, you know, at the beginning of our hour, I always do a miracle moment. And today I did one from the Dalai Lama, which said Mm. that, we can let the circumstances of our lives harden us so that we become increasingly resentful or afraid, or we can let them soften us and make us kinder because we always have a choice. So even when it comes to these machines or this artificial intelligence, we're still talking about a choice. But my question is, what if the person designing it, that software designer or whoever he he or she is, doesn't have a moral compass. You know, maybe on the outside they act like they do, but they put something in it because they're just being mischievous. Is that avoidable? Is that a possibility? Is Or am I just being uh, paranoid? 
No, I think that's a very, very important issue. You know, if you look at human history, um, there were actually 27 different species of humans, of which we are the only survivors. And the way we survived is because we're incredibly cooperative. Um, we have a competitive streak in us, but we're primarily organized so that we want to help one another, and we build societies, and we work together in ways that no other creature on the planet can do. And um, it was a huge development to develop the human moral emotions, our inner compass, like you were saying, of uh, how to act in a way that is good for everyone. As we developed civilization and cities and so on, those uh, purely inner emotions weren't quite as effective, and so we had to develop a legal system and governments and that kind of thing. I think where we're at right now, we need to both give an inner compass, both give a moral sense to these systems, and we need to extend our legal system and our governmental system to cover these new entities that are coming into our society in the next you know, decade or so. Well, one of the things that you wrote is that it's really like an arms race right now, but it's instead of it just being... Um, arms, the arms are high-frequency trading, it's cyber warfare, it's drone warfare, it's stealth technology, it's surveillance systems, it's missiles. Could this, you know, artificial intelligence, could it literally lead to the end of life as we know it on Earth? To, could it destroy us? That's a risk that people like Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk have started realizing, oh my goodness, you know, this stuff is very powerful. Um, we've had experience with powerful technologies in the past. When nuclear technology was developed, it both has wonderful, positive, peaceful uses, creating power and so on, and it's got military uses, the nuclear bomb. And we had to, as the human race, figure out how to manage this incredible new power. And so far, we haven't had access nuclear bombs going off. And so we were successful in that case. And I think what people are just beginning to realize right now is that these new technologies are, are probably going to be even more powerful, that they have the potential to do an enormous good. Pretty much any problem you can imagine, pollution, uh, poverty, uh, health problems, all of those will be able to be fixed by these technologies if we can harness them and make sure that they don't cause problems. But I guess the secret or the issue is, is how do we really harness it and how, to, how do we manage the humans behind the harnessing that are exactly. the machines? Is that right? Because if it's an arms race, I mean, just think about what's happening in the world now with all the different countries and we're, you know, we're constantly at war or maybe they're undeclared wars, but there's always these conflicts going on. So what's to stop somebody with a super intelligence from just wanting to play God and say, okay, this is, I'm, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. push. Is that, that is a huge issue. And in fact, every military on the planet is developing robot soldiers of one form or another. The one we hear about a lot right now are drones, you know, uh, planes that fly in and they maybe shoot somebody or drop a bomb without a human pilot. In right. It. And, you know, they scare me just even the drone. You know, you can go to Costco now and buy a drone. My brother brought, bought a drone so that on the farm that we have, that he can put the drone and he can see where people are working and if they're working. And I thought, Beautiful. this yeah. is 
but so that, I mean, that's an example of a positive uh, use. I, I know that another use in agriculture is that when plants get when the the, the crops get um, fungus, they they you need to um, you know deal with that really quickly. And that if you can't like inspect the crops, then they have to use too much fungicide. Whereas with the drones, apparently they can inspect every morning. They can have the drone fly over the crop and see is there you know any new fungus growing, and only then um, use the fungicide where it's actually needed. Right, and well, see that is those are all positive, but the fact that somebody could also just fly a drone into somebody's private space to spy on them, you know yeah. that. That doesn't feel comfortable. I mean, I think about all the paparazzi with celebrities today. You know, they have no privacy as it is, but just the fact that you wouldn't even see these drones. So a drone is part of this artificial intelligence. Is, is well, that- yeah, it's, it's sort of there's a whole slew of new technologies that all kind of weave together. Today's drones are not very smart. Um, they, you know, they'll, they'll fly where you tell them to, um, but they don't really have much of their own intelligence. The, the next generation, they'll be able to, you know, look for a specific thing. Um, there was recently, a few months ago, there was a drone that flew onto the, the, the lawn of the White House. And that, you know, created a lot of worry and, and uh, a lot of people, I think, are sort of secretly working on anti-drone, like lasers, to shoot them out of the sky because, you know, someday somebody's going to attach a, a bomb to a drone or something like that. And so we, it's like we're in that phase where this new technology is just beginning to come out. And like you're saying, there are really scary negative uses for it and there are really wonderful positive uses for it. And we're, we're trying to tease apart how do we make sure that we only get the positive and we avoid the negative. Right, and I know that you are all about the positive and all the, you know, the positive possibilities and developing these new research uh, technologies. And I want to talk to you about um, your possibility research in the second segment. But what do you feel as a scientist? You know, I mean, do you have a, what do you, you know, I hate to use the word feel because you're, we're talking science, but, but, you know, what is your personal feeling around this? I, do you think that are we in a state that we, we better start uh, being a little more um, proactive in finding out who's doing this, what they're doing? You know, are these systems going to be ubiquitous? Are they going to be everywhere? Or is anybody going to have access to it? What do you, what are, what do you foresee? Well, or is it foreseeable? I think there's going to be three waves, and you know it's it's very hard to see the future. Right, <laughs> but, of course. But I think what you can see, what you can see, are the forces that are driving it, and those are becoming pretty clear. And I think the first force, which we're sort of right in the middle of right now, is economic. And so, like McKinsey is a um, a firm that that tries to look ahead and give advice to businesses, and um, they recently did a study of what are the top technologies for the next ten years, and and I think seven of them are related to AI and robotics. And if you add up the total value that they're predicting will be created by these new technologies, uh, in the next, over the next 10 years, it's $50 trillion, which is huge. That's an oh enormous amount of value. That's and unbelievable. So, so everybody wants to get involved in it. I mean, it seems like businesses, this is like a boon if you can get involved in AI or robotics. Absolutely. And so, for example, the self-driving cars is one that's like really hot right now. Google was really the first one or the first one that was public. Um, but now, um, you know, Uber, 
Uber just uh, opened a self-driving car lab, and they basically hired all of the roboticists at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, Apple apparently is rumored to have a self-driving car. People have seen this car. It doesn't say Apple on the side, but it goes into the Apple parking lot. You know? Wow. Uh, of course it doesn't Volvo, say Apple. Mercedes, Apple's the General most Motors. secretive of all the, of all the tech companies, I think, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, they see the incredible value there that, um, you know, there's a potentially a $10 trillion uh, value in self-driving cars. Um, you know, I thought self-driving cars were going to take a long time because, you know, getting people used to it, the cars are going to be more expensive than normal cars, you know, and it's, it's going to take a long time. But then somebody pointed out um, the economics behind Uber. Um, Uber is this sort of alternative taxi service right. where you you do use your cell phone and you ask for a car and, it, and uh, Uber hooks up people that want rides with uh, people who give rides. They were the number one job creator in the world last month. They created 50,000 jobs for Uber drivers. And they make 20% of the fare. When you, when you take an Uber drive, 20% of that goes to Uber and 80% of it goes to the driver. Uber's valuation, um, if you take, you know, how much their, their, their stock is worth, is $41 billion. And they are primarily currently a cell phone app. So it's $41 oh billion dollars for a cell phone app. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And I know several people who are drivers for Uber, and they really like doing it because it's on their own time. They decide exactly. when they're going to drive and, you know, if they want to, and it's extra income. So yeah, it I think, seems like I think it's, it's a, a great model. It's a model for how jobs are going to look, where people uh, can do it when they want to. They can do as much or as little as they want. It's flexible. It meets everybody's needs. Wonderful. That's great. Except that we're going to start seeing the competitive dynamics. Google just an, Google was a big investor in Uber. And so it's like, yeah, we're supporting them, and Uber uses Google Maps, and everything's great. Google just announced, oh, we've decided to make our own Uber. They're going to make their own little app to do the same thing. Oh, my so, goodness. Oh, so Uber said, are- oh, my God, we're going to make, we better get self-driving cars so that um, we have something. First of all, when there's a self-driving car that picks you up, Uber gets 100% of that fare. Of course. But, oh, wow. And and it's a lot harder to copy that. And so as a sort of protective measure, um, I believe that's going to really drive it. Somebody did an economic analysis, and they discovered that if Uber had a fleet of self-driving cars and you asked for a, dry, for a ride, it would take 30 second, 36 seconds for it to show up, and it would cost you 50 cents a mile. Oh, so, well, obviously, everybody's going to want that. I mean, why exactly. would you even have your own car? And nobody's wow. going to buy their own car anymore. Right. That's so, what, I, what I was saying. I mean, why would you have a car if you can go for 50 cents a mile and somebody, well, nobody, uh, and nobody drives you, but you get to where you want to go. Exactly. <laughs> we have to go to a break, Steve, but this is fascinating. So you hold on, and we're going to come right back. But before we do, I want to give out your website so like during the break, people can take a peek at what you're doing. You can go to steveomohundro.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-O-M-O-H-U-N-D-R-O.com. Or you can go to possibilityresearch.com and just start checking it out. Start finding out what's going on. But when we come back from break, we're going to talk more about possibility research and all this AI stuff that's going on. Uh, I just can't, I'm just like, my mind is so filled with AI now because I just can't imagine how many things can happen. I mean, I'd love to have my 
house cleaned and, you know, my rugs vacuumed and all of that, but I'm not sure I want AI for everything. Well, Steve, hold on. Thank you for staying with us, everyone. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan. We'll be right back with Steve Omoandro and more artificial intelligence. Don't go away. The Star You Are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know the power of why? When you hear vague put-offs like, ah, call me another time, I'll get back to you, or "Mm, let me think about it. Make a habit of asking, why do you feel this way? Or why do you need to think it over? This is a simple technique that may help you. Uncover a real concern that the prospect did not feel inclined to share sooner. Determine if the prospect is merely procrastinating or honestly fearful of making a decision. Avoid spending a lot of time analyzing every possibility in order to find the true reason for a delay. Gain time in which to keep the conversation going so that you can gather your thoughts. And just try a new tactic to help you close the deal by honestly listening. Listening is a very big, important deal. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information or to book a consultation, call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827 or visit StarStyleProductions.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life that shines. Well, we are still here, you are still there, and we are all together, and thank you so much for being with us on Star Style be the star you are. It is a power party because our guest is a power pioneer and he is Dr. Steve Omohundro and he is a specialist and an expert, a world expert in artificial intelligence. He has more titles than I can even uh, describe and he's written you know, books and he's on boards and he just has all kinds of this intelligent technology. So we were having a lot of fun right uh, before we went to break. And during the break, Steve and I just chatted for a little bit. And he was saying how it is important that we bring empowerment to whatever we're going to do. So tell us what you mean by that, Steve, because I was suggesting that, you know, maybe on these teams we need more art, you know, artistic people. We need people from many walks of life so that we bring a well-rounded a vision of what the future will look like with uh, AI is that I, is that right? I totally I totally agree. 
that if we just let the technologists and the businesses decide, you know, where things go, we're not going to get a future that's very exciting or empowering or wonderful. That we need to bring the whole of humanity to envision what kind of a future do we want? Because these technologies are going to enable us to basically create anything we can picture. And so we've got to have a clear vision or else we're not going to get something that we're really inspired by. So how are we going to find all of those visionaries? How, how do you bring them all together? Because tell us about possibility technology. This is the kind of thing that you are looking at, right? Smart, besides smart scientific computing, it's uh, simulations. Tell us what you're doing and, and the programs that you're developing or the teams that you put together. Well, so I've been working in artificial intelligence for, oh, probably several decades. I don't want to say how many. (laughs) And I always thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have robots to clean our houses and do all the stuff we don't want to do. It's going to be great. Right. That's what what I think about when I think of artificial intelligence, just the things I don't want to do. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I think that's true. You know, and I think we're on the verge of that. So, like, the first wave is exactly that. We have all these factory robots that are going to do all the kind of tedious, you know, assembly that humans don't really, you know, it's, not, it's a kind of dehumanizing thing to do the same task over and over again. Robots will do that. Great. Driving, you know, driving is kind of fun, but if you want to do it, but if you don't want to do it, well, it's really nice to have a machine do it, and they'll be more, uh, safer than we are. Yeah. So there's something you know, like a million I've always lives. said, Steve, if, if I had a zillion dollars, one of the things I would have is a driver, because I have so much to do, I have so many things going on in my brain, the last thing I want to do anymore is drive. I want to sit in the back seat and get my work done. So that would be awesome if I had um, a self-driving car. I would love that. Yeah, and that's coming. You know, Tesla, uh, Tesla's another one who's working on self-driving cars, and they were saying, oh, several years, we'll have something mostly self-driving. They just announced, I don't know if it's going to happen, but they announced, I think it's next month or the month after next, that a software upgrade of their existing cars will be 90% self-driving. They'll be able to self-drive on the freeway. And so it's like, what? Well, you know? <laughs> well what about... You know, with Possibility Research, the company that you founded, you're president of, there, you know, there's, you're talking about there could be bugs and security holes in the software. I mean, we already know just with computers and with, there how many um, scams there are and how many uh, interfaces that happen where somebody takes over your computer. Couldn't that happen? Couldn't that happen with this AI that somebody that doesn't have a soul <laughs> decides to you know, create a, a, a virus or something that would make it go haywire? Yes, that's a, that's a huge issue. And just in today's Internet, um, you know, the Internet worked pretty well for the first 10 years. And in the last few years, we've read more and more and more situations where people are being hacked and things are being broken into. The security infrastructure of today's computation is really not at the level that it needs to be. And once you have AI systems, which <clears throat> somebody, you know, without a soul, as you say, I like that. I um, know, soulless, will, right. Will try and use those systems to hack into machines and, you know, break into banks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we really need a much more solid uh, infrastructure underneath it. And so one of the things I've been looking at is a new kind of computational technology to um, make the, the computational infrastructure more solid. At the same time, there are some recent developments. I don't know if you've heard of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Yes, tell me about Bitcoin, because I see that all the time, and I hear people talking about it. I haven't a clue what it is. Tell us about Bitcoin. It's this amazing phenomenon. Uh, 
somebody going by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008 wrote this paper about this new idea that they call Bitcoin. Turns out that that's not a real person, that that's a, a pseudonym for somebody who has never revealed themselves. Um, they developed a new cryptographic technique um, that enables uh, the functionality of money to be implemented in a decentralized way. And what that means, you know, today, like the U.S. dollar is centralized. The, the, you know, the U.S. government backs it and the, the U.S. Uh, mint, pr- or, you know, they, the, the U.S. dollars are printed in a centralized way and there's somebody checking to make sure it all, it all is good and so on. Um, with Bitcoin, there's nobody in charge. Um, there's a bunch of little servers all over the world. Nobody even knows who they are and nobody has to trust one another. And they all all work together uh, to create this infrastructure that creates this new currency called Bitcoin. It's now worth about $3 billion, uh, and people are using it. Uh, to, you know, it's, it's very small compared to currencies like the U.S. dollar, but it's big enough to start having an impact. Uh, here in Silicon Valley, uh, venture capital firms are investing in it like mad, and people are seeing it as a kind of trial run for the next generation of what money might be. But how does somebody like myself, who really is, I'm not very techie, I'm definitely not scientific, I'm definitely more, you know, artsy, that kind of person, how do I deal with Bitcoin? Because I thought I read somewhere that there was something hacked in Bitcoin recently. It was, uh, did I misunderstand that? I thought there was some kind of hacking that went on where, how does Bitcoin work? I mean, how do you exchange money? Is it- well, there, there's the core infrastructure, which is the, the Bitcoin itself, and that has been remarkably stable and solid. Um, in order to have Bitcoin, you have to hold them, and it's a, um, a cryptographic key. It's this number, uh, and if you have that number, that gives you access to the money. And so this is remarkable because it means, for instance, that uh, the number could be on a computer. That's the way most of them are. It could be on a piece of paper or it could be in your head. And so some people talk about brain wallets where let's say you're in a country that's disruptive and you have some money as Bitcoin. You could remember in your mind uh, the, the cryptographic key and walk naked out of this country with not a single possession, uh, show up in a new country, and from the number that you remember, reconstruct all of your money. And oh so that's gosh. a kind of u- unique and weird aspect of Bitcoin. That's really <laughs> weird. I would really feel weird walking naked out of this country into another country. <laughs> but that is, that's a scary thought. That I could just, I have this vision of all these naked people. <laughs> the world is now, you know. <laughs> yep. that we, now we don't need clothes. We just can go back to being cavemen, right? You exactly. know, this is Exactly. Just remembering our Bitcoin coins and we- yeah. Everything would be wonderful. Right. Today, it's kind of awkward. How how do you govern that? How do you? How do you? um, How how do you orchestrate it, though? I mean, if nobody's in charge and everybody's in charge, there's it's not chaos. That's not chaos. Well, it's kind of chaos. And what's brilliant about the Bitcoin idea is there are what are called Bitcoin miners, and the Bitcoin miners do this computational work. They have computers that solve puzzles, and um, when they solve puzzles, they get paid in Bitcoin. So that's why they do it. And in the process of solving the puzzle, they maintain the order of the whole Bitcoin system. 
And so the money's integrity is kept up by these Bitcoin miners all over the world who are making money by doing, solving these puzzles and, and sort of running the infrastructure. And so it's, a, it's an example of a kind of self-organizing uh, system that doesn't rely on any particular person that you have to trust. Um, now, that means uh, that, that you can't tear it down either. <laughs> oh, well, how does Bitcoin and artificial superintelligence go together? How well, does that so, work? So one of the things we're going to need, so I think AI is going to come in three phases. So we're in the first phase now where it's starting to uh, be a part of the economy. It's sort of the AI economy where, you know, AI systems are trading stocks right now. 50% of all, all stock trades are uh, done without any humans. It's called high-frequency tra- trading. Okay. Um, they're starting to be used in more and more manufacturing. We've talked about the self-driving cars. There's um, um, building homes. A Chinese company um, 3D printed 10 homes in one day. Uh, using a kind of large robot-like thing. And wow, so, now that's amazing because that could really solve a housing problem, couldn't it? Absolutely. Very rapid. I think each house was $4,000. So cheap, you know. And so so huge, amazing um, ch- changes making the economy more efficient. And those all increase productivity. They increase the overall wealth of the world. So I think that's our first phase. And I think the effects of that will be mostly good, that the um, products and things that we use will get much cheaper. The downside is a lot of jobs are going to get automated. Uh, Gartner is predicting that one-third of all jobs will be automated in the next 10 years. So, so then what that- happens to the people who don't have jobs? And my other thought is, is if it gets into healthcare and everybody now, nobody, I mean, I hate it that when people get sick and I don't want anybody to have cancer, but, but the reality is if everybody's healthy and everybody's going to live a thousand years, <laughs> where are we all going to be? Yeah, very good questions. And I think it's going to need some reorganization of society. I think that today's idea that everyone has to work and everybody has to work an eight-hour day and that's the, you know, the moral and right thing to do, I think we're going to have to shift that. And what we shifted into, there's a lot of discussion going on. People are kind of nervously thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen when one-third of all jobs you know, are automated? What do people do and how do we live? And so that's going to be a bit of a turmoil. Um, the second phase is what you were alluding to earlier are these arms races, these situations where there's competition. And military is maybe the, the most visible one, but there are a bunch of other ones like cyber warfare. You know, we, we just had the recent case where Sony was hacked and right. they say it was North Korea that did it, but then other people say, no, it wasn't North Korea. Nobody really knows. Well, that's kind of a weird situation where, right. you know, huge sums of money can be at stake and nobody quite knows who's doing what. <laughs> um, so there's that. And so, so competitive situations, you want to be automated because um, the one that can operate more quickly and more unpredictably and smarter will, will win that kind of a competition. And so there's, so there's a lot of pressure on the militaries right now to create robot soldiers. Well, and, let's just hope that there's nobody like a Hitler out there that becomes the, the king, you know, because that would be such a bad thing. But yep, I want totally. let's have, we're at the end of our hour, unfortunately. And so, Steve, this has been the most fascinating time with you. I want to give out your websites again. It's 
so that people can see the work you're doing. PossibilityResearch.com. Really fascinating stuff that Steve is doing. You can go to his personal website, SteveOmohundro.com, and Steve is spelled S-T-E-V-E. He also is SelfAwarenessSystems.com. This is another company. Steve, thank you for being such an amazing guest, and I, I really just want AI to clean my house, drive me, cook for me, and just you know do those fun things so that I have lots of time to spend with people like you. <laughs> Great. I'm with you there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being a guest on the show, and thank all of you for listening every week here to Star Style. Be the star you are. If you'd like to make a donation to the charity that brings you the show, go to bethestarur.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate you. So we want you to see beyond your physical being and know that you are already a star. You know, you can just dream the dream and then you can make it happen. And we're always here to help you do that. Cherish the past and celebrate every day of your life. And, you know, make sure to read a book this week. And Steve, I am just so thrilled that you were able to join me today and talk about artificial intelligence. I hope that I'm a little bit more intelligent now that I've had this opportunity to think with you. But I like your idea of having it be a well-rounded group of people that are brought to the table because uh, that's what we want. You know, we're, we're in a wonderful world and there's so many talented people out there and so many great ideas. So keep doing what you're doing. You're making a huge difference. Thank you so much. Well, imagine your dreams as they already exist. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep you happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and most of all, make this a fabulous week and shoot for the stars. Thank you, Steve. Thank you all. We'll be together next week. The star you It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.